Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Today, I'm going to talk about the Pentecostal doctrine. Because you know, they think we're, we're slow. They, they, they think Pentecostal people are not well uh, educated, somewhat ignorant, and don't have enough intellectualism about them. So I'm just going to work on that a little bit today. So when you leave here today, you're going to feel really smart. Now I'm going to say some things, but please understand, I, I do not put a premium on ignorance by any stretch of the imagination or intellectualism i think we need to look at the we need to look at our our, our bibles and, and the text of our of the word of the lord uh you know we don't just love him with our heart we also love him with our mind so obviously we need to be learned people we need to we need to press in but by no means should we say i i don't understand the bible and not read it we should say holy spirit help me understand the bible so doctrine and theology we know is very important but I, want to, I just want to deal with something the Lord, I felt the Lord gave me uh, on, on this to, to wrap this series up. Uh, let, let's, let's take our first text, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Then Acts 5, 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. One more, Acts 5, 28. This is coming from the high priest in the Sanhedrin. Did we not strictly command you to not teach in this name? What name? The name of Jesus. And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Father, help us today. Holy Spirit, we need you to help. We need your help today. Help us. Just preach your word uh, today in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Let our praise and worship team and band know how much we love them for, for pressing us and provoking us deeper into God's presence. Yes. Our Pentecostal doctrine. Our Pentecostal doctrine. We find in the book of Acts that the church there is a community of born-again, spirit-filled Pentecostal believers who boldly proclaim the full gospel, watch this, they boldly proclaim a full gospel to a fractured world. Hold on to that. This church was committed to teaching and preaching of the apostles' doctrine. <clears throat> the Acts church as we know around here, they, they were way more than some social religious gathering. The church was the very power of God. And it was the power of God manifested, manifested in the earth through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament church did not expand through attracting crowds by appealing to their humanistic carnal desires. But they did it through the power of the full gospel that transforms. 
to get the weight of that term full gospel, I want you to go to Romans chapter 15, verse 18, and we read here the writings of the Apostle Paul, and he said, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed. And to make the Gentiles obedient in many in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and around Elikim, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I just, I just want us to make sure we have a good understanding of the term full gospel because of where I'm headed today. Full gospel, historically, uh, is a title that has been used to identify denominations and fellowships who hold to the belief that whatever God did and through the New Testament church, he still does today. He still does today. So if anyone identifies themselves, they say, we are a full gospel church. That means they believe everything that you read in the book of Acts and everything that is theologically strengthened throughout the epistles and the writings of the New Testament, that they are a full gospel church because they believe you can have that same experience today. Yes? So someone who is full gospel in theology, someone who is full gospel in doctrine, holds the line of Hebrews 13.8. That says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Full gospel people in churches believe in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit as recorded in Acts as well as what is recorded in 1 Corinthians with the gifts. And, and they, still, they still believe that these gifts and the moving of the Spirit is, is valid for the church today and for every believer. Uh, they believe still believe in divine healing, speaking in other tongues, all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit manifesting, and miracles. Uh, they, they, they expect these things, a true full gospel believer in church expect these things on an ongoing basis they are not things that we might have come up in our life every once in a while they're not things that might come our way you know here and there we may have a manifestation we may have an encounter we may have a healing we may have someone baptized in the spirit we may have these things along the way but a true full gospel believer believes this is what church should be like and this is what life ought to be like So the apostles' doctrine, then, this is what I want to work on. The apostles' doctrine then became the yardstick for measuring true doctrine. True doctrine from the false. With this doctrine, they established strong believers. They established a spirit-filled, gift-manifesting, signs and wonders movement in the earth because they took the doctrine of the apostles and they established it in the hearts of the believers. This is important. Therefore, the Acts Church 
was able to confront head on all forms of false doctrine. The church and the believer. Because immediately after the Pentecostal experience, they began to release a doctrine. They would go from, they would preach it in the temple. They would go from house to house. They, they clung steadfastly to it. It was valued. It was validated. It had force. It was something that they were willing to give their time, their energy, the effort to understand and to be able to share with others. Why is this important to us as a revival church? Because sustained revival does not stand alone. It must be established on a strong foundation of the apostles' doctrine. This way, they can no longer accuse us because we have an emotional experience of being shallow because I back up my experience with the word of God, with doctrine. This is why the devil is nervous about what just took place in this room. This is why he's nervous that the 34, 37, 34 people gave a year and a half in their life to be, to be founded on the word of God, that they, that they can be grounded in the truth, grounded in systematic theology, but also grounded in the spirit of revival. There's nothing more damaged than somebody that really understands the word of God but has the anointing of the Holy Spirit on them that knows how to pray in tongues, cast out devils, heal the sick, and preach the gospel. You see, if revival is anything, it's a return to Pentecost. Once again, I submit to you, we live in a fractured world that desperately needs an encounter with the full gospel. So the question I had as I was looking over this and thinking about this, because it seemed, it seemed that I didn't have time to sit down and put a timeline. Brother Joe may know that because he's, he's an intellectual, brilliant, scholarly theologian. True. Makes me a little nervous sitting there this morning. <laughs> Usually he's back there. Now he's sitting up here. P please correct me in private. <laughs> so I was wondering, what is this apostolic doctrine? Because it, it was like, boom. They experience Pentecost. P Peter begins to release apostolic doctrine over them. Now they're going from house to house, temple to temple, and then it's, it's just filling the whole city of Jerusalem. And, and what is it? And where did it come from? Where, 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 I mean, it's just like, I mean, we just read stuff sometimes, and, 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 and where did it come from? This is 
all new. This is the first generation church. There's never been a church in the earth before. Much less a Pentecostal church. I always find it interesting the first church was a Pentecostal church. It is what it is. You can't change it. So I did a little studying and I found out that most believe that the apostles' doctrine was based on the teachings of Jesus during the 40 days from the resurrection to his ascension. Luke says in Acts 1 that for 40 days Jesus spent time with them teaching them. What was he teaching them? He was teaching them things pertaining to the kingdom. So Jesus had 40 days or so in there. And he chooses to use it to teach the 12 or 13, 12 apostles, not 13, 12 apostles. <laughs> really? I was thinking 11 and I went to 13. But it was 12 because they brought another one in. So don't look at me like that. Like you knew that. You didn't know that. So he chooses to pour into them things, per things pertaining to the kingdom. 40 days of radical encounter. And Jesus begins to announce to them things pertaining to the... It was the message that he preached when he was here. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. Obviously, they had heard many teachings, probably all the teachings of Jesus. But this is special. This is coming from the resurrected Christ, the crucified, resurrected Christ. 40 days of radical encounter, and he begins to impart to them things of the kingdom. Jesus begins to push deep into them his deity. I am the Christ. I am the Lord. I am the king. There is a kingdom. Maybe, maybe, maybe he began, because we really don't know, but, but we, we just know it was things concerning to the kingdom. Maybe he said, now listen, let me explain to you my complete work at the cross. Let me explain to you what just happened. Let me explain to you why I went to the cross. Why I had to die on the cross. Why I had to live a sinless life. Let me explain to you that with that I did die. And I, did, I was laid in a tomb. A dark tomb. And I was dead. But my father released power out of heaven. And yanked me up out of that tomb. And gave me resurrection life. And when he did that, all hell broke loose. But it lost its power. Because when I came out, I came out with the key. Maybe he had to explain to them, okay, I know you're all been religious, but let me explain to you about the church. 
The church was born on the day of Pentecost. The Pentecostal experience gave birth to the church, the organic spiritual body of Christ. He said, now listen, I've had enough of the religion, of the orthodoxy. I have had enough of the dead, dry, formalistic atmospheres that are in the temples and, 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 and in the synagogues. I have gave birth to a church. Oh, by the way, church, ecclesia. So please understand, I didn't birth you so you could just become a denomination and a fellowship. I didn't birth you so man can get his hands on you and put you in a box and confine you and tell you what you got to do on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night. And no, 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 no. He said, listen, I gave my blood so I can have a blood blood ecclesia. I gave my blood so I can have some people in the earth that understand the power of the Holy Spirit and how to legislate and how to push back against I need somebody in the earth that's going to take this gospel and preach it to the whole world he said oh by the way let me explain to you about salvation let me explain to you how depraved humanity is, how dark they are, and how far from me they are. I didn't come and bleed on that cross because this was going to be easy. I came and bled on this cross because there's people that need the power of my forgiveness. And they need to be restored in their souls. And I sent my Holy Spirit not just to give you power to be witnesses. But I sent my Holy Spirit so my Holy Spirit could work through you. And that when you put your hands on them, there's going to be a supernatural regeneration. When they come to me and they say, I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. My Holy Spirit is going to fill them. And they're going to be born again. Like they're going to become a new creation. Like, like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and all that sin has broken and all that sin has taken and all that sin has destroyed it's going to be it's going to be reversed and there's going to be a redeeming and a reconciliation I'm going to fully restore them back into relationship with me it was lost at sin but I have I have I have destroyed sin I have conquered sin it never got a hold on me and when I died on that cross pure and holy and righteous I came out of that grave as a redeeming savior I came out of that grave and my blood has the power to wash away the deepest sin so whatever you do make sure you let everybody know that the blood is greater than their sin And somewhere along the way, he pressed into them the understanding that this is not all there is. You're now in the kingdom. And one day, look, he said, I'm getting ready to leave. The Holy Spirit has come. He's coming. I'm going to leave. He's going to come. 
but I'll come back. I'll be back. And when I come back, I'm going to take you with me. Because there is a place called heaven. Eternity lies before you, children of God. My church is an eternal church. So I'll be back. And even as he ascended into the heavens, the angel said, why don't you stand here gazing at him? The one that is in the clouds, that one that goes away one day, he shall come again. Just like he's leaving in the clouds. These, these are things pertaining to the kingdom. He taught them things pertaining to the kingdom. He didn't tell them how to live their best life now. He didn't tell them that Jesus died on the cross to break the curse so they could be prosperous and rich. He didn't say, now let me tell you, have a really healthy family. Nothing wrong with having a healthy family, obviously. We all want a healthy family. But what he did say, apparently, is you are in another kingdom. And he gave them things pertaining to the kingdom. It's a bug. <laughs> Just hit me right in the eye. Bells above. <laughs> the point I'm getting to, Jesus probably preached the first full gospel message. And it transformed the lives of those apostles. The last thing he told them was, now, go wait. Go wait until you are mantled with power. Go wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. For when he comes upon you, you shall receive power. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my martyrs. And you will lay down your life for the sake of witnessing for me. And then you should be witnesses unto Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to all the earth. So they go to an upper room. And they wait in this upper room until the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, they receive power to begin to live out everything that Jesus had taught them. And now they're taking what Jesus taught them and they're taking it all over the city. And then once Jerusalem is filled, they're going to go to Judea. And once Judea is filled, they're going to go to Samaria. These are regions. And then we're just going to go ahead and take the world with the gospel. 
This is what we're going to do. This is what the, this is how the first apostles and the Acts church lived. They had one burning passion, and that is to take the message of the kingdom to the world, to let them know that Jesus Christ is King of Kings today and Lord of Lords. Because when he went up in that cloud, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and today he is ruling King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He is a ruling sovereign God yes so I'm getting that I'm thinking yeah I can feel that I, I, I'm, I'm seeing this then I thought well where did we get Pentecostal theology because he already imparted them apostolic theology where do we get our Pentecostal theology? You see, if you were to ask a Catholic, where do you get your theology? They, they would likely point you to the catechism of the Catholic Church. If you went to a Reformed theologist, they may point you to John Calvin, to the Westminster Catechism, or what is called the formula of concord. If you were to ask Martin Luther or to ask a Lutheran, they would say, well, they would point you to Martin Luther, which is the formula of concord. I got it. I went too fast. See, what are you doing? I, I, all of these things I have mentioned to you, these, these, these catechisms and these concords and these confessions, are what we call statements of faith. They are a body of doctrine in which those of certain belief systems have created so that everybody would know what they believe. And so if you're going to be a Lutheran, you believe this. If you're going to, 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 to be a reformist, you believe this. If you're going to be a Catholic, you believe this. So, so there were basically assemblies of theological think tanks that they got together and they debated and they discussed and the people of like faith and then they come together, these men uh, of great intellectual uh, paralysis and understanding of scripture and doctrine and then they walk out of a room and they say, here, this is what we believe. So the question is, where does the Pentecostal go? Where, where, where do we find our theology? Well, I'll tell you where. We look in an upper room. I said we look in an upper room. On the day of Pentecost, there was 120 that was gathered. They were gathered in an upper room and there suddenly was a sound as a violent rushing wind filled the room and pillars of fire set down on each one of them and they were filled with the spirit and began to speak with other tongues. That's where we get our theology. Somebody shout yes. yes. Now that's not enough for some people. You see, Pentecost, the event 
and the experience is the core image, along with the Acts Church, of Pentecostal theology. Because Pentecostal theology creates full gospel. Theology, now, obviously, Pentecostalism as a movement, a little over 100 years now, Pentecostalism is going back to the turn of the century, 20th century, that Pentecostal theology as we know it has only existed uh, for, 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 you know, 100 years or, or, or a little over 100 years. And uh, this theology came out of revival. There were many in denominal churches at that time that were really getting just quite bored and dissatisfied with formal, dry, religious-type services. So there really probably came a cry greater than we realized. We, we, in church history, we may look to certain places and certain people, but there was probably a, a prevailing cry in the church for more. And so out of that, these revivals out of the birthing of a modern-day Pentecost, there was still very little doctrine that was developed. Most of their doctrine was passed on through preaching and teaching. Hardly any, if any, systematic theology for Pentecostals was, was, was available. So obviously, Pentecostalism got into some crazy things. But there was no definite doctrine that had been put together. It actually came uh, decades later, or a decade later at least. See, early Pentecostalism was marked, I'm trying to give you your history. You need to know it's okay to be a Pentecostal. The reason I'm going to push this into you it's because it's going to be challenged more and more because it offends those who have not pressed deep into the things of God. Far as I know, and I will stand corrected, but a Pentecostal doctrine is the only doctrine that carries with it an experience. So early Pentecostalism was marked. It was marked by its, its, its energetic praise, its powerful preaching, its, its deep intercession, and by the power that surrounded it that literally was released globally. Because at the, at the beginning of the 21st century, it didn't take long before the Pentecostal experience produced a people that were willing to lay down their life and to go to the world. With this gospel, as well as with the Pentecostal experience. This is important for us to understand. But still yet, there was no systematic theology developed. And like I said, it came later, at least a, a century later, 
when uh, 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 other Pentecostal groups begin to form, understanding the need, begin to form systematic theology, a belief system for them as Pentecostals to lay hold of and to stand for. The good news is things have changed. In the recent decades, there have been those that, that are intellectually and, and brilliant in discerning and, 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 and taking the word of God and creating out of it structured, strong theology, Pentecostal theology. So God has raised up. In the last uh, decades, strong Pentecostal intellectuals, and they have helped us. It's out there. It's available to you. Mantled is available to you to help you, to take you deeper and understand it. But it's helped us. And, 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 and you know, with, with uh, theology and even the history of Pentecostalism, as well as higher levels of learning, in our land today, spirit-filled colleges, universities, even seminaries, spirit-filled professors and teachers and theologians and seminarians. The challenge, though, is now we have better theology, but less transformation. I don't know, no, I said it. I no means am I trying to demean understanding and theology and doctrine. We must grab hold of it. And if we feel like it's above us, ask Holy Spirit to help us understand it. Find somebody smarter than you are that is simple enough to teach you a, a, a complex thing. You know, no, you got to hear what I'm saying right now. Uh, but, but don't, don't stay shallow in this thing. See, Pentecost and Pentecostalism and Pentecostal theology should converge at an altar of radical encounter. I don't know if I'm the right one to speak to this or not because I'm far from being a theologian and a seminarian, but I have come to tell you, learn, learn all you can, can all you learn, but understand there is nothing that will ever take the place of a supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit at a Pentecostal altar. Yes? Pentecostal doctrine, oh, I'm going I'm to try to build on this, Lord, help me. Pentecostal doctrine is an invitation to the altar. While other doctrines just give you a belief system, this belief system says, know all this, but all your knowledge should not puff you up. All your knowledge ought to get you to lay on your face and cry out to the God of heaven and earth. If you are bored this morning, you may be not only carnal, you may be a granola Christian. A granola Christian. Nuts, flakes, and fruits. 
see granola Christians just want everything to be pie in the sky. But the the scripture brings us into accountability. This Pentecostal thing is too valuable to get silly with it and to act like it ain't got no substance to it. I will fight for the authentic outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but I will not put up with any foolishness. Can I preach this? I believe more than ever we need a really deep understanding of apostolic doctrine and Pentecostal theology because we are being faced, confronted with a new gospel. A new gospel. You see, you can't discern the fake if you don't understand the real. It's dangerous to leave yourself without understanding. Turn off your TV and learn something. We need sound doctrine. Why? Because listen to me prophetically. I believe there's getting ready to be like this pool on the church. It's going to be a pool. Look, look. How do you know true doctrine, false doctrine? How do you? How, 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 what's, what's the difference between the, the, the doctrine of the apostles and, and, and Pentecostal theology? What, what, what's the difference um, between that and and, 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 and and just, you know, playing on a, a, another gospel, a different gospel, a gospel that doesn't line up with the word of the Lord. How do you know? Well, number one, you know, uh, you know, because the gospel, the gospel, the, the apostles, the doctrine of the apostles and Pentecostal theology pulls you into the kingdom. Any other doctrine, false doctrine, pulls you into the spirit of the age. Okay, let me, okay, maybe it's simplify. One pulls you into the things of God while the other pulls you into the things of the world. I didn't say, it doesn't have to pull you out of church. You can be worldly and carnal set in a church. But it's hard when you're hearing the true gospel preached. When you're hearing the full gospel preached. It gets a little difficult. It gets a little uncomfortable. Because the full gospel tries to pull you out of this world system. Tries to pull you out of the love of this world. And the spirit of the age. And the seductivity and the carnality of it. And pull you into a kingdom of light. Of love. Of power. Of glory. Of surrender. Of submission. To the king and his kingdom. Somebody say preach Holy Ghost. Sound teaching is something we really need. Unsound teaching, unsound teachings are just as deadly today as they were in the first century church. Paul said that in the last days that Satan himself would turn himself into an angel of light 
and come right up in the church and preach another gospel. He said, he, watch this, I'm trying to help his church, that he would turn ministers of righteousness into voices of deceit and deception. That instead of preaching messages that pull you into the kingdom, they preach messages that leave you into the spirit of the age, thinking all the time you're okay. You see, how does this, how does this happen? How in the world would this happen? I know how it happens. Because I have fought this demon myself. You see, out of desperation to get results, out of desperation to have a church that's got some weight to it, size to it, out of desperation. Because we put so much pressure. Let me, not this house, but let me, let me talk to some people. Out there. Stop putting pressure on your church leadership to produce. The pressure that has been applied to the church of, through the church of America up on their leadership to create some kind of Mecca, some type of mega church, something that everybody's woos about and, and, and goes, goes out of their mind about. See, when, when you put pressure on your leadership to do this, there is a sense of desperation that comes upon them because they feel like they're a failure because they're not big as the, the, the mega church down the road who took a different preachers, a different guy. And because of that desperation, they give in to the spirit of the age and they begin to preach a different sheep. My God. I come to speak to every pastor, every apostle, every prophet. I come to speak to every evangelist. I come to speak right now to every teacher and every pastor. Don't let your desperation drive you to compromise, but let it drive you into the presence of God. Let it drive you into revival and your church will follow you. Somebody shout yes. I know how it happens. When the church stops calling sinners to repentance. Stops talking about how as believers we should be broken before God. Bearing a cross. Living holy and without reproach. If there's ever a message that needs to be back in the church. If there's ever a message that needs to be spoken over us who stand on Sunday mornings and hold microphones in our hands. If there's ever a message that needs to be spoken. Let me tell you something. The kingdom of God. If you go all over the kingdom of God, I'll tell you one thing you ain't going to find is an enterprise. 
You ain't going to find a worship enterprise. You ain't going to find a church growth enterprise. You're not, you know, no, no, you're not going to find it. And industry's not going to be there. It's not going to be there. The worship industry, it, it, it rubs me the wrong way. When they talk about being in the Christian music industry and the, the Christian music and the worship industry and the church growth industry, look, up in the kingdom, there is no industry. Up in the kingdom and up in the kingdom, it's about power, not performance. Up in the kingdom, it's about purity and not platforms. Up in the kingdom, it's about God's presence, not stage presence. Don't be sucked in just because everybody else is listening, everybody else is watching. You don't have to. You are of another kingdom. So is this new gospel, this, this, this new gospel, it's not the Jesus that we know. It's not the gospel. It's, it's a gospel that's rising in influence. It's created to fit the culture. It's created for the American lifestyle of pleasure and luxury. And it's influencing ministers and churches of all denominations, including Pentecostal churches. Do you hear me? This new gospel has been packaged and sold to young pastors. They want to get on a fast track. They want to become an influencer. An influencer of what? Uh, if I remember Paul right, he said, don't boast. Don't boast. Don't boast in your accomplishments. Don't boast. We got way too much posting that's really about boasting. <laughs> if the church continues to appeal to the values of our popular culture, it will continue to be weakened. And, and the truth is, if you could sit down and talk to these, you would, you would find that their intentions are probably good. But I'm here to tell you their results are devastating. When the church begins to focus more on bigness budgets and assimilation instead of discipleship. We got problems. This, this new gospel I'm talking about literally diminishes the power of the cross. Diminishes the moving and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Their, their mantra is get rid of everything that could offend someone. Look through your church. Look how you worship. Look how you preach. And get rid of everything that can offend people. Now, obviously, we don't want to be offensive. But we cannot give up truth because someone gets offended. 
some would say you're not being loving. That's not true. I'm a lover. I love people. I love people enough to tell them the truth. I'm not going to lie to you to get you to come in here and fill a chair. I'm not going to tell you a lie. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Sometimes I offend myself. Let me, let me finish this up. We need this doctrine pressed into us. So it gives us the ability to withstand the pool. There were three, in, in, um, in most Pentecostal churches, there were three core doctrines. I'm not going to teach them to you. I'm just going to hit, hit them real quick. We here at Fresh Start Church, we, we have what we call the 16 fundamental truths. We call these non-negotiable tenets of faith. But then we have what we call four cardinal doctrines. I'll call them power doctrines. These, these are doctrines of transformation. This is why we must hold on to them. They are doctrines of transformation. I told you earlier that in early Pentecostalism, they didn't so much write out their doctrine, but they preached their doctrine. And as you follow it through, you find four messages that they preached over and over and over. I was basically raised on these four messages. They preached them over and over and over. The first one was Jesus is our Savior. No question. No question. See, in our culture, that's offensive. In our culture, to say Jesus is the only way to salvation is offensive because everybody wants their own way. We all want our own way to get to heaven. There are not many ways to get to heaven. There is one. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Savior. No other one lived a sinless life. No other one died on a cross. No other one got up out of an, uh, a cold, dark tomb. And no one ascended to sit down in the right hand of the Father. Only Jesus. He is the Savior of the world. And his name is above every name and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Period. Second one was that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. I heard it all my life. That's why I'm a tongue-talking, Holy Ghost, Pentecostal prayer. Because I heard all my life, Jesus is the baptizer. There, hey, thank God for salvation. You got to start with salvation. But there is a subsequent experience that comes to every believer where we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are immersed in the Holy Spirit. And we receive a heavenly prayer language out of that. And we receive power to become witnesses. And out of that, we are at the same time given access to nine gifts of the Spirit and those gifts can flow through any believer that has the measure of faith to yank on them and to be used by God. They're not our gifts. They're His gifts, but He lets us have them. He's the baptist. I don't spend a lot of time on that because I've been preaching on that. The third is that Jesus is Jesus our healer. See, because I'm Pentecostal and full gospel, I believe Jesus is the savior of the world. The only savior, the only way. Because I'm full gospel, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there is a spiritual dynamic to our life in Christ. 
but I also believe that Jesus is the healer. Why? Because I believe the same blood that saved me heals me. That it was an atoning sacrifice for my sin and for the, the, my broken body. There is healing access. Jesus is the healer. I'm not the healer. You're not the healer. Jesus is the healer. I can't baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus can baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. These, watch me. These are transformational doctrines. Do you understand them? And the last one is that Jesus is our soon coming king. I said he's coming. He's coming. Oh, we may have different ideas when and how, but he's coming. He's coming. This same Jesus. This same Jesus that you see going up into heaven in the clouds, he shall come again. And Paul had a greater revelation, and he said there's going to be a trumpet that's going to sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and all of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up, caught up, caught up, caught up in the air and ever shall we be with the Lord oh we have eternity ahead of us we have eternity and because I know that there's a there's a there's a there's a deadline on my life there's a deadline on my time that I must live with urgency that I've got to go back and make sure they know Jesus the healer Jesus the baptizer and Jesus the savior Get up on your feet and shout, yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Pentecostal theology came right out of the upper room. We are here today because they were there then. I'll close with this. I'll close with this. That there are those who intellectually are way, way beyond my capacity. And they say, all this stuff that you're talking about. All this Holy Spirit stuff, all this Pentecost is over. It's over. God decided that when the last apostle died, it was enough. I come to say, it was not enough. I come to say we don't in this world today need less Pentecost. I say we need more. Can you imagine Peter and Paul? Peter's like they're all sitting around. He said, hey, Paul, I think we've had enough Holy Ghost experience. What do you think? I think, I think hey, let, let Let's get together and let's decide we've had enough. And then we'll tell God we got this. We have enough ingenuity. 
We have enough ability. We have enough strategies. We got this. I don't think so. I think as long as Peter had breath in his lungs, he preached the full gospel. As long as Paul had breath in his lungs, he preached the full gospel. I come to say as long as we got breath in this house, we will preach a full gospel. A redeeming, life-saving, transformational gospel. A gospel that gets down deep in the inside of a man and begins to break every chain of addiction, begins to heal every wound, begins to come deep inside of us. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.